Microphone checker. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Before we get started with this week's episode, okay? I haven't been able to check in. I've been traveling. I was in uh, Mexico with the family. Thank God was took some time to uh, unwind and drink some mojitos, uh, strawberry daiquiris. I was like, you know, I was out there living life, man. And it was just great to be honest with you as a father, you know, being a single father for, you know, with my daughter, she's 19 now and having a four-year-old son, just seeing them together, just having them on the plane, uh, just, just seeing them live the life, like, you know, w- was really special for me. It wasn't only about me enjoying it. It was about my kids and it was special. And then I was in Florida. I'm working on a bunch of things. I haven't been able to check in, but internet, you know what, what time it is when I say, open up your Twitter app, open up your Instagram app, at premium P at premium P show, check the fuck in. Let me know where you're listening from, man. Let me tell you something. Russia was on the check-in last week when I spoke, uh, when I tweeted this out. Chicago, uh, Boston, London, South Africa, Zimbabwe, um, internet's worldwide checking in. I appreciate you. A lot of people always say, uh, Pete, man, I appreciate you. Well, listen, I appreciate you guys rocking out with me. A lot of people, uh, you know, have been rocking out with me since the Combat Jack Show days on this podcast, uh, you know, journey. Rest in peace to my brother. If you never checked out the Spotify episode, they did on Reggie. Uh, it's tough to listen to, but it's amazing. And I want to shout out to uh, Gimlet. I want to shout out to uh, Jinx for hosting it. And I want to shout out to my uh, Combat Jack Show uh, brothers. They know who they are uh, forever. Rest in peace to our brother, Reggie Osei. You know what? Before I get to this week's episode, man, I just want to tell you, man, you know, uh, when I, sometimes, you know, I'll be Pastor Pete and I'll, and I'll let people know what's what. But one thing I always say is that never forget that as we're getting older, so are, so you know, so are our parents. And one thing I'm blessed about is on my Mexico trip, my mother and father surprised me, and they came out there. Like I came outside to my pool, and you know, I had a, like a, a, a swim out pool. Internet, you ever go away, get get a swim out pool, and my mother and father came floating out from the other side, and I was like, holy shit! And it was beautiful, and, and you know, and and. and Man, it almost made me tear up. But they were like, "Look, Pete, when's when's the next time we could all do this?" And you know, they came and they—I didn't even know they knew where the fuck I was going in the hotel. So they got sneaky. They called the travel agent. But you know what? Just to Chris Moore, before I start this week's episode, okay, and I'm gonna get to it in a second. He told me that he wants me to uh, start checking in with my family before some episodes. And I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" So I'm going to try something. Let's see how it works. And if so, we'll start calling uh, my father next week. We'll call my mother. We'll call my grandmother who's 98. But let's start with my Aunt Barbara. We'll call her real quick. Hold on one second. Hold on. Hold on. Let's see what we, Let's see how we can rock here. Hold on. Let's see what we got. Maybe it's good. I don't know how the uh, signal is here. Hold on. Hello. Hey, Aunt Bob, how are you? How you doing, honey? Listen, uh, I got you on the uh, show this week because I want to check in. I want you to tell people when you were growing up, how you used to have the duck umbrella, um, and if anybody... I was growing up, that's when I went to work. Well, why'd you carry a duck umbrella when you went to work? Um, for protection. What do you mean protection? Like, if somebody did something, what'd you do to them? I hit them. With the duck umbrella? Yes! W- where did you hit them? On their legs or their uh, arm or something, anything. If they bothered me, I hit them. Okay, listen, I'm glad... Your mother, your mother, your mother thought that I was... When she heard somebody, she thought that I was going to get arrested one day. Why? Because you hit somebody? Yeah. Okay. You know, another thing that you did, which is crazy to me, and now I know why, um, you know, I do some of the things I do. You you had a car that had, like, a, a police light. It was, like, an old police car. And you no, did... No, it wasn't an old... No. 
It was a brand new car. I bought a Cutlass Supreme. It was a 1972 Oldsmobile. I put the siren like a cop. Why'd you put the siren like a cop there? Because if anybody was wrongdoing, I followed them like a cop. What do you mean, wrongdoing? What do you mean? I explain. Didn't you pull over somebody before? Explain how that happened. I did. I pulled somebody over, and I told them that I want their license and everything. We didn't have anything then. We didn't have no, nothing to go by. Let me hold on one second. It's so. And what happened? Who is it? Joey's coming over. And, and, and what happened? What, what, you pulled them over, and, and, and you asked for their license. Did you let them go? I mean, obviously, you weren't bringing them in. No, but I scared them. You're a sick. I scared them. They were sitting their pants. Let me. You're a sick you bastard. Me? Let me tell you. I, I, I was crazy. I took it to my father. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. In those days, they wouldn't hurt you like they would hurt you today. I pulled somebody out of the car. Are you kidding me? I threw him out of the car. Let me ask you something. Who's the best wrestler of all time? Best wrestler. Uh, of all time, Hulk Hogan. Really? What about George the Animal and, Steel? He was nuts. He wasn't the best wrestler. Animal Steel was nuts. Yeah. He used five people. Let me tell you something. If me and you were in the uh, ring, I, I I would do off the turp, uh, the turnstile. I would suplex you yeah. right right into the ground. No. Yeah, I know. What do you mean? Yeah, I know. Are you listening? One second, honey. Oh, she's talking to somebody. She got somebody coming over. Listen, Aunt Bob, you, I, I, I got to run real soon. I just wanted to uh, check in. I'm doing a new segment where I'm going to check in with different people, different family members each week. Um, okay. Now, let me ask you something. Is Chicago pizza better than New York? No. Why is that? Because we have better pizza and our water is better. Okay. What about the bagels? The water. All right. Now let me ask you something. If 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 you could make me a last meal, like what would you what would you say you would make? I would make you. I don't know. I would make you. Uh, I guess chicken palm or chicken franchise or chicken oh. with the onions and the wine sauce. All right. Well, listen. You're. I appreciate you, Aunt Bob. Um, you, you you've been great all Whatever my life. Of course. Like let, let me tell you, Internet. Let me just tell you about my uh, aunt Bob. I would call. I would call her three in the morning, right? You know, yes. come upstairs three in the morning. She would make me steak and onions, chicken. I at three in the morning. She have a nightgown on. Stuffed peppers. Yeah, stuffed peppers. That's, that's that's what you do, and that's what family is all about. And I appreciate you for that. Uh, we're gonna leave the internet. So I want you to tell them a story of when. Uh, I was young where you, you probably thought I was crazy. Because, you know, I did a lot of crazy things. What's the story that you remember telling yourself, hey, my nephew is a, a, a sick bastard? Oh, you were a sick bastard in some of the stories you told. Yeah. I can't go into some of those stories. What a, what, they, were, they were crazy stories. You know, you know what time I remember when I was writing graffiti uh, on air, the 86th Street um, rooftop? And I remember the cop pulled me, uh, came up there. I couldn't believe it. We turned around and the cops were there. And yeah. and they thought, because they got a call, they thought that we were trying to rob the store underneath. And I was like, look, let me tell you, this is the first time I ever admitted to anything ever. That was ever. a crazy thing you did on the roof there, right? And, and, and I was like, look, I'm just up here writing graffiti. And I remember I came home 
and uh, my uh, Zitsi uh, answered the door, my grandmother, and she answered the door, yeah. and she's like the best, one of the best ones, and I guess she didn't hear well, and, and, and they said, is his parents here? And I said, no, Zitz, just tell them you're my parent. They'll let me go to you. So my parents wouldn't know. She says, hold yeah. on, let me go get uh, his parents. Yeah. Lo and yeah. behold, I got my ass whipped for a week. Anyway, Aunt Bob, listen. Listen, take the, st- relax with the duck umbrella, okay? Yeah. And, and and don't hurt anybody. Oh, that's, 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 that's too tired, bro. Okay, behave yourself, you bastard, all right? And get you back to do you, get back to uh, I love you. get back to love you too. Get back to crocheting and knitting, okay? Before I take I can't the can't do that now. All right, bye bye. How many knee, wait? How many knee replacements you had? Five of them. Okay, you're a sick bastard. I love no, you. Six. All right, I'll be the. I'll be this. I'll be there soon one day for some big ZD. Behave yourself. Bye-bye, all right? Okay, honey. All right, Internet, let me tell you something. That's a new segment. If you like it, let me know uh, where I'm going to have a family check-in with a different family member. And a lot of my family is crazy. And maybe I'll have them tell them some stories about me. But this week's episode, okay, is with the legendary Carl Banks, New York Giant football player, uh, was on the opposite side of the legendary Lawrence Taylor, won two Super Bowl rings. Uh, this is the return of Carl Banks. He's been on before. Shouts to A. King. He sat in on this episode. And we really went over what happened with the Giants, what's going on in football, and more importantly, one thing I really respect about Carl is not only is he a football player, he's an entrepreneur. In his second year in the league, uh, he started his own business, which was the starter brand and a bunch of other brands and big and tall. And, st- and, and honestly... Carl has become a multimillionaire before he became a millionaire from football, uh, a true inspiration. And really, he breaks down. If, if there's a lot of Giant fans out there, you'll hear more about that. But also just breaks down the NFL and where we're at um, just in the, in the world of sports. Internet, uh, I don't need to say no more. Uh, dig in the catalog. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the Premium Pete show. We got a bunch of great episodes coming up. I need to say no more. The return of Carl Banks on this week's episode of the Premium Pete Show. Let's get to it. Cheer. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Man Scoop, the other smooth voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Cork McClan, Internets. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go, Internets. Let's turn up one time, Premium Pete. Come on, everybody, get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up. It's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the show was milk said so fuck what you heard better act like you know it's the premium peach show internet's welcome back to another episode of the premium peach show sitting down with a return guest a friend an entrepreneur okay we got to call you that okay before actually before the they used the word entrepreneur you were doing that yes okay 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 uh uh athlete uh uh b- broadcaster um, foodie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. Uh, Hall of Famer. Hall of Fa- that's right, Hall of Famer. Ring Two of Honor, time. No, not Hall of Famer, though. I mean, it's... it's in the higher beholder. Well, but, yeah, so. and, yeah. <laughs> Two-time Super Bowl champion, the one and only Carl Banks, is back in the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what's up, Pete? Oh, man, listen. Uh, first of all, it's great to have you here because one thing I love is that you're one of those guys, and, and I say this for people who are listening who may not know of you, and for those who do know of you, I always say this. I want them to learn a little bit more. People who don't know, I want them to learn. You're one of those guys where, and I said this before in the last episode, 
where people could put you in a box and say, like, oh, he played linebacker for the Giants. He played across right. from LT. He was a great giant, you know? Nah, man. Carl Banks, I'm not saying this because you're here, is a, a man of many talents. Uh, it's crazy because somebody who was ahead of your own game, and now you're living yeah. the, the choices you made. By being an entrepreneur at a young age, third, internet's third year in the league started those, his own business. Yeah. So, you know, I think that all is kind of, um, it stems back from being intellectually curious. Mm-hmm. You know, um, knowing you want something and just asking questions, meeting people and learning. You know, that's what it really came down to. And being able to um, follow passions, man. I, I tell young kids this all the time, especially young athletes. Like, you've got the world's Rolodex at your finger when you're in sports, right? So if you've got an interest in something, be intellectually curious. People will be more than happy to help you. And sure. the more curious you are, the more willing they are to help. Sure. You know, you think back to the days of you playing and your third year. You started your own business, like I was saying. Um, didn't people make fun of you for that? Am I wrong by saying that? Yeah, yeah. Like you get some, you get some remarks, you know. But um, it was something I wanted to do. Um, I had a clear plan. Um, I just had to execute it, um, write the roadmap, figure it out, and I did. You know, sometimes people are ahead of their game and they miss out. You know, it's almost like even when we talk about podcasting. You know, we, we did podcasts and shots of A-King. A-King's on the board in the building. Um, when when we did podcasting, we could have been at a point where people were like, okay, you you know, you help uh, usher in some hip-hop podcasting, some long-form content, but uh, it could be... like we first, You don't want to be the first over the fence. You know, you don't yeah. want to be the first, you know... The pioneer. Jump. You know, you could have been... Think about it. Like, you, a lot of things you're able to do now maybe weren't accessible back then, but you still True. stuck with it. True. How did you get through those years of, of, of doing that? Well, I had a real job. I was playing football. But um, <laughs> just understanding that progress is a process. Mm. And so gems, gems are ready. You, can't, you cannot be impatient. If it's something you really want to do and it's a passion, then you got to go through the steps. you know. And if you really want to be about what you're doing, then you embrace that journey you and embrace that that process of failure of uh, deceit defeat um and it's all a learning process it's all an education and um you find your footing and then you just excel from there sure. so um i built it from the ground up and my apparel company uh with just an idea and learning from people that knew the business, learning how to put a garment together. Um, I think my, I think the person that really inspired me was the guy, David Beckerman, who was the um, founder of Starter. And um, I was one of the first players that he signed to be one of their um, ambassadors, you know? So, uh, and this was before, this was before Nike, you know? So, Starter ruled every major sport. They're a part of every major sports moment. And uh, what was their slogan again? Uh, follow the star or something like that. Look for the star, yeah. and it starts with the right attitude. Yeah, 
you know, but seeing so a guy, saying, yeah, yeah. seeing a guy like uh, David Beckerman, the passion he had for sports, for um, how sports should be presented, how to capture fandom and make it a wearable experience, was something that was very inspiring to me. And so, um, I said, when I grow up, I want to be like this guy, but. My opportunity came three years in because I started really researching and looking for opportunities to get into the marketplace in sports apparel. And at that time, nobody was doing leather coats. So I was like, this is my end. Let me learn this. Let me learn how these coats are made. Let me let me make a, a, a sample line um, and then go get my licenses. And so that's what I did. And it's uh, it's been good, man. Relationships are great. Um and I'm having a great time, man. I've obviously I've expanded the business way beyond um, where it started, but it's not even where I dreamed it would be. I'm still, you know, expanding into the areas that I I, um, I strive for in this industry. Sure, you know, having uh, starter under the label, having G3 uh, for her, which is a woman's mm-hmm. line, right? And then just regular G3 apparel, yep. which is, and then having the licensing with. Tremendous amount of teams, baseball teams, all team, all college, um, all NFL, MLB. Major League Baseball, NBA, football, college, NASCAR, um, MLS. So we got everything. We cover it all. Now is that e leagues now? Okay, wow. And now is that is that is that just f- simple? No, I want to say simple, but filling out licensing and going through process, or did you have to like, uh, uh, you know? Uh, use you got to show and prove. Yes, is what you got to do. You've got to have um, a core competency. Yeah, um, you just can't come in and say, "Hey, look, I I play football. Give me a license. I want to be in this business," because they're in the business of making money. Make no mistake. So they want to collect royalties. They want to um, they want to have profitable businesses uh, year over year, and they grow. So I had to show. Number one, a need for the product that I had, and I had to have a plan to uh, put it in the marketplace. So it was good. And, you know, shout to uh, Sal LaRocca at NBA. He gave Mm -hmm. me my first license for Big and Tall Apparel. And then um, the NFL gave me one for Big and Tall Leather Jackets, Suede Jackets, and it's expanded into everything it is now. Mm. Shout to everybody, Big and Tall. Yeah. You know, (laughs) now let's talk a little bit of football for a second. Um, do you know some questions so fun? I know you for a long time already, and some questions I don't know. I never asked you. Do football players have uh, benefits? You know, like uh, uh, insurance? yeah, 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 yeah. So um, the NFL has a pension plan really? for its players. It's DMO. The, it's the weakest of all. Really, major league sports. No Cigna. We got no. There's no. There's no long term health care. No, nah, <laughs> you're on your own. Once that Cobra That's runs bullshit, out, to be honest, yeah, it is. Uh, but once that Cobra runs out, uh, when you get cut <laughs> or you retire, you're done. Like, and you're on your own. So you got to buy your own uh, medical insurance. But um, they've gotten better over the years. But the uh, the pension plan is the weakest in all the sports. Mm-hmm. And um, so their long term care situation is is not nowhere close to where Major League Baseball or NBA is. You know. You see something like the NBA, and it's wild. People getting signed yeah. all over the place. We're having, you know, uh, uh, tremendous athletes team up with, with each other. 
why hasn't will we ever see the NFL I mean it's so hard to even get this out because I seen somebody tweet the other day like yo if the NFL was like if this happened in NFL people were going fucking nuts yeah so let, let's 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 examine what's going on in the NBA it's the essence everybody's up in arms some of the know-it-alls on TV how could this happen they're ruining the league that's 100% bullshit. Mm. I'm going to tell you why. If you know anything about basketball, the essence of basketball, if you went to Rucker Park, you went to Dykeman, you went to your local pickup game, if me and you came to a game together, right, we're picking the best players to run with us. Absolutely. That's all this is. It is, it is the essence of fucking basketball. You can't, you cannot tell me that you're going to a court to pick the worst players. If it's three of us or if it's two of us, right? And we, we got game. We're going to see and look and we're going to find the three other guys that can ball sure, out because sure. we want to be on the court forever. That's what super teams are. So all of this nonsense about, well, they're ruining the game, they shouldn't allow it, it is what basketball has always and will always be. Nobody wants to play with bad players. Simple. So if there's a guy and we want him, he's like, no, I'm running with my boy, right? I don't want to join your team. I want to beat you. But we're going to go and find the five best players that we can. And the fact that they have free agency – and even before they had free agency as we know it today in 2019, they were still getting together. Agents have all, people um, hate Rich Paul, right? Mm -hmm. Too much power. It's bullshit. David Falk did it before him, mm -hmm. right? My agent back in Michigan, uh, Charles Tucker, he had the Eastern Conference All-Star starting five back in the 80s. On his roster. On his roster. Wow. He had, well, Magic was on the West, right? But he had Mark Aguirre, mm. um, Isaiah Thomas, Dominic Wilkins. Fuck. Um, Herb Williams was on that squad, but Herb wasn't a starter on uh, an NBA All-Star, but he was an NBA All-Star. But he literally represented the starting five for the NBA All-Star squad. So, it's crazy um, when people say that it's not healthy. That is the very essence of basketball. It'll never change. Nobody wants to play. You want to play with good players. And the ones that don't want to play with you, they're going to build a team to beat you. Sure. That's how it goes. Sure. It should be very exciting this uh, coming year in basketball. Can we ever see something like that in the NFL one day? No. Okay. Why? No. Because you don't go to a pickup game in Sandlot football. They, the teams are constructed. I mean, bask, uh, football is is constructed differently than basketball. You don't roll a football out and 11 guys go play. Now, we played, when I was younger, we played neighborhoods, um, touch football, tackle football. Sure. We go, our group would go, you know, play another district. But, and it was like, you know, touch on the cement, tackle on the grass, you know, cars are inbounds, you can hit somebody on the car. But um, 
you need 11 guys and they all depend on each other. So individual skills go to individual positions. It's different um, in basketball, but um, I don't think we can ever see it. We could probably get, which, you know, with Cleveland, the unintended consequences Absolutely. right now yeah, yeah. are Odell Beckham and um, Jarvis Landry, college teammates playing Baker together. Baker Mayfield. Who else? But Baker Mayfield was drafted. Yeah. They didn't put all those guys together, yeah. and free agency won't allow you to do that. Um, the salary cap <clears throat> won't allow you to allocate, you know, um, the majority of your funds to three guys when you got 11 you got 53 guys you got to pay so it depends and there are too many phases there's special teams there are kickers there's punt teams there's defense there's offense so you got to draft smart and get lucky in free sure. agency but you just can't say i'm gonna go after this guy this guy this guy if you're lucky you can get one high paid yeah, player sure. and two good players you know and it's not by design you know, speaking of uh, Odell, you faced uh, you love Twitter, okay? Yeah. Uh, at Carl Banks. I'm off Twitter right now, though. Why? What happened? I'm, I'm, I'm off until September. I posted yesterday. Well, I didn't get this update. It's what the shitty. fuck happened? It, Twitter is shitty they right come, now. They come at you all. Yeah, fucking... I don't mind the sports shit. Right now, society, America's going to be burning okay. in 18 months if we ain't careful. <laughs> I'm 100%. Like, it, this shit is so divisive. There's no love. Yeah. No. Like there's we got we're in a in a space now where it's so tribal tribal where and we're make excuses for bullshit, mm -hmm. you know, people that say bad things and people justify it and then everybody draws a line. That's not how we should be as a society. And then I'm looking and I follow um I follow some stuff in the news and politics, but I'm mostly, you know, I'm fan oriented. But the shit is crazy right now. I can't. My, my timeline is littered with just bullshit. Lit, you know who's a racist, who's not, and why you're not a racist? Because no, I'm I'm fucking. I just said I need a break. A mental health Twitter break. A, sure, a sure. mental Twitter break. Are yeah. you, you going to send uh, Twitter invoice for fucking uh, a psychiatrist? Listen, as we're talking about. But anyway, you were talking about Twitter. Well, the reason uh, why I mentioned Twitter was because yeah. we were talking about Odell. Right. And so many people have, you know, I've seen it like as far as you being uh, a, a giant involved in the organization, mm -hmm. people asking your opinion. Uh, a lot of people were mad, man, that mm -hmm. Odell was traded. Right. Um, you know, do, do you think that, you know, did you see that coming? No, I 100% did not see it coming. Um, I wasn't happy about it, but I understand. Um, but I, you know, I'm unapologetically a, an Odell Beckham fan. Sure. And, um, but I get the fact that he's gone. Um, their rationale is that, you know, and he's their, he was the biggest chip they had in terms of trying to rebuild a team. Um, they weren't getting better with him. That didn't mean he was making them worse. He wasn't part of the problem. He, in my opinion, is part of the solution. But um, so, what about this narrative that some of the some of the uh, your, well, I won't say peers, but some of your counterparts and other outlets were trying to create the narrative that um, him and Landell Collins and others were like the the too cool for school popular crew. Nah, man, and, listen. And they were the ones that wanted to that listen. they needed to get rid of to 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 have the culture change. Oh, what's, the um, word? what's the phrase they use? 
I don't know what Culture, it is. Some, Locker some, room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, poison. And, and let me just add one more thing. They were great teammates. And um, I wanna, let me just add one more thing to it, and then, then I'll let you. Um, and then on the flip side, you listen, you, you listen to the commentary from the players, they their love teammates, them. and it's, it's totally the opposite. Yeah. So as a fan, I'm confused as whether this commentary is clickbait material or. Listen, I, I'll say this. Um, Odell Beckham is good for business. Mm. Um, if he sneezes and they write about it, it's going it's going to dominate the news cycle for a week minimum, right? right? And you're going to get a bunch of opinions, a bunch of bullshit opinions. And my biggest issue with Odell, and I've told him many a times, you can't have rabbit ears. You see, because he cares too much. Mm. Um, and all he really wants to be is good, right? And the issue with him is, I say, I call it rabbit ears because when somebody says something, he either comments on it or it sends him into a different space. And I'm like, just go play. You know, um, that doesn't address what you're talking no, about as, as, as far it, as the team dynamic. Yeah. But let me, let me kind of take you on a roundabout way into team dynamic. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with a guy of Odell Beckham's stature and his um, transcendent abilities, it's no different than great entertainers. They come with stuff, right? Mm. And it's not necessarily bad stuff, but it's stuff. And you got to have a team that is equipped to deal with that stuff. The quip part of it, meaning you've pretty much got to be winning football games because if you're not winning and this all-world guy sneezes, Mm. 18 people got to answer why he sneezed. Mm. And that shit drags on your organization. And if you have a front office or a coaching staff, which is new, their front office and coaching staff is new, and they're having to answer questions and players are having to answer questions and there are as innocent as can be questions or a narrative gets made up. So let's say Pete was Odell, right? right. Pete caught two balls. Team wins. Pete's sitting at his locker and he's not saying anything. Yeah. He's sitting there with his hand on his chin. Um, reporter goes up, Pete, what's wrong? Nothing, man. We won. <laughs> They walk away and say, Pete's mad because he only caught two balls, right? Pete never said it, right? Odell never said it. But for the next fucking week, because somebody wrote, Uh he's unhappy with the offense. Uh Everybody got an answer for it. So now the head coach got an answer for it. The offensive coordinator got an answer for it. The quarterback got an answer for it. His best friend on the team got an answer for it. Seven other guys. And they all say, no, we talked to Odell. He's good. Next reporter writes, that's bullshit. They're covering up for him. And so that's the stuff wow. that comes with a guy like him. Because there, there's there's no, he can do no right unless everybody's winning and he's doing really well in the eyes of other people. He's as great a teammate as you can get. He cares. Um, is Does he have some maturity issues? Yeah, most people in their 20s do. But he's so transcendent that 
when you have a guy like that in your um, organization, you've got to be built to deal with that. Um, it's no different than any star basketball player. You know, it's you see Kevin Durant go through similar shit, right? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, in my opinion, the the pressure, the outside noise is, in my opinion, what pressured him into coming back to play. Mm. And he got hurt. Um, because yeah. he's a guy who cares, uh, meaning Kevin Durant. But you get rabbit ears. Sometimes when you hear enough shit in the echo chamber, you start to, you know, you, your, your demeanor changes. It's not fun as much, and your only sanctuary is when you're in the, on the court or on the football field. And then you got to leave, and then you got to ask answer questions, right? Um, and if you don't answer questions or you say something to a reporter who wrote something bad about you, then that begets more negative articles. And then people got to answer questions for it. So um, superstars of that caliber, um, they come with stuff. You know, now, thankfully, with him, it wasn't a lot of ego shit. You know, um, as much as people want to say he was selfish, he was not. So um, that said, their decision after paying him a lot of money uh, to trade him was probably— Which was um, confusing, too. Yeah. But, you know, and I think subconsciously, it may have had something to do with the stuff because it was just a lot, and they didn't—they weren't winning a lot of games. So they decided, okay, let's move on from this and let's build a team in the likeness of— what we envision, meaning the head coach, and every team's entitled to that because if you look around the league, great players move on all the time, and fans are never happy about it. Right? Um, they become attached. They, right. right. And and that, and that's the essence of fandom. I mean, this guy has little kids blonde in their hair. I mean, he cut it off now, right. but now they're probably gonna cut off their hair. Right. But, but let me just add one more. Uh, I guess part B to that because you said, um, all right, we're in New York. And this is the type of stuff that comes with it, which is the media, and, the, and you can't have yeah. rabbit ears. Do you think that, in particular, with the Gi- Giants, Knicks, Mets, Yankees, is the New York jersey in all of these sports the heaviest jersey to wear? Without a doubt. Without and a doubt. is that which would deter players from coming to this market? And not well, just you're basketball. weak if you don't want to play in this market. I'm mm. telling you, you need to embrace it. Um, because I think the New York fan base in all the sports, the most passionate, yeah. and they will hold you up um, if you're doing your part. Yeah. I can tell you, they will defend you. They will do so. Um, it is it, it it that is a heavy crown to wear. The thing about Odell Beckham, though, is he didn't need New York. He doesn't need any particular city. Yeah city or team to be great. Now, did it help that he was in New York when he made the most fantastic catch in football? Absolutely. That that propelled him. Yeah. But that's what he does anyway. People are going to see it. Um, so New York was beneficial to him. If he tells you it wasn't, it's a lie. But he doesn't need New York. Yeah. His, his talent is transcendent. That's, you know, the LeBron type stuff. He can go anywhere and be great. A lot of players can't because they need a system for them to be good. This guy, he can go play in anybody's system and he's going to be great. Mm. 
Hmm. Man, you know, uh, as we speak about Odell and, you know, we talk about, you know, what happened to him being trading. You know, we also think about uh, the Giants organization. You were miserable for a good— Who? You. When that yeah, happened. yeah, well, I was very— well, you're going to be mad. I mean, that's what fans do. Fans are mad. They, they hate the general manager. They hate the coach. They, they think they're all, you know, clowns and idiots because they don't know what they're doing. But we're going to find out. Well, a lot of people come for Gettleman's head. David Gettleman. <laughs> The GM talk like he's from Boston. Like he of, talks uh, like he's from. Uh, he's in the car. He's in the car. <laughs> yeah. uh, they, no, no. They, but let me just tell you this. <laughs> and you know, people will say, "Are oh, you drinking the, the giant Kool Aid?" Okay, well, maybe so. You know, but I, I'm real. Yeah. No, no, no. And that's no, why no, I no. asked you because but you because do keep what, it real. Because what I'm going to say, mm. um, in regards to Dave Gettleman, he's not new to this shit. This ain't a hobby for him. Mm. He knows how to build teams. He's built them. So when roster moves are made and you haven't seen a fucking guy play and you want to bash the general manager because he didn't pick the guy you wanted, just a fucking guess on my part. But I'm willing to, to, to guess that he fucking knows a lot more about the players he didn't pick than the players you wanted him sure, to sure. pick. Mm. You know, we, we, and, and we don't know what Daniel Jones is going to be. And they wanted him to pick Haskins, King. Yeah. You asked me a question about is New York the heaviest jersey? Yeah. To wear sports? in general, yeah. That might be why Haskins is not a New York Giant. Maybe they didn't think he was built yeah, to carry that. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Good point. You know. Um, but why Daniel young Jones? Kid? If, if, not saying you're saying that, but I'm saying what, why Daniel Jones? Do you think they would think that? Um, I don't know. They felt he was better equipped. To, to replace Eli for what they wanted in a how, quarterback. How much do you think that uh, that Eli Manning, uh, what was it, Archie Manning camp, quarterback camp, had, in terms of being in the well, they know in, him. in that environment, yeah, yeah. having the intel for years now, yeah. for four years, of this kid where they can get this direct information from? Well, yeah. I mean, he's worked with a lot of young quarterbacks, though, in that, in that camp. But the... Reality is picking players is not an exact science. Mm. But I will say, and it's a known fact, the position in all of football that has the highest rate of failure is the quarterback Quarterback position. position. Mm. You go look at the history of it. All the quarterbacks that they, you know, and these guys get on TV and they tell you the next best thing, three, four years later, they're either average or below. Yeah. You know, you look at um, when Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota came out, right? They're going to revolutionize the league, right? Mariota ran the Oregon offense, and he was, you know, going to revolutionize football. He's just been okay. Just been okay. And now they're saying, well, this is a a, uh, turning point year for him. He's going to have to break out or else he's going to be what it is. Chances are he is what it is. And, And that's not to um, cast dispersions on him. He's a good player. He's a starter in the NFL, which is more than most people are. But what he was projected to be and what he is right now, there it's it's a it's a big canyon in between. Yeah. You know, for all the people listening who are sports fans or just even just giant fans or New York fans or, or just, just in general, like I said, sports fans, I remember talking to you about the Odell trade and and 
I remember you being very uh, uh, strong on getting back the one and only Jabril Peppis. Yes. Mm. And I was like, I really call because you were like, yo, this guy is good. Yeah. So that was the other thing. They they said they got rid of him for nothing. They got a lot of players back, but they got a young safety who's going to fill a need. Freakish athletic. Freakish. And the, and the folks that know him from New Jersey will tell you the kid is mega talented. And he's going to take that safety position for the Giants and do something they haven't had there in a long time. Incredible ball skills. Really good player. Mm. Mm. Say no more. I mean, I mean, look, it sounds better than what it's been portrayed to be. No, he's but. got it. No, I'm not meaning him. I mean, just in general. Like, yeah, but you know what? They all got to play. Yeah. That's the yeah, thing yeah, about exactly. it. But when, when, you, when people question not just Dave Gettleman, but any general manager, you might want to look at their track record first. Um, and Dave, it's old school. He knows how to build a team. Um, he's not knee jerk. You know, he doesn't fall in love um, just because somebody says a guy is good or the hype. He he does his homework. It's not a hobby. He knows the fuck he's doing. Sure. You know, uh, you think about somebody like Gettleman. Do you think he realizes does the organization pay attention to how like the fans care? You know, I mean, well, like, not saying they're more right. so than ever. Yeah, because it's so loud. Yeah, you know, the platforms are multiple, and you know, when a fan was upset back in the day, all they had was to fucking write a letter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or WFAN, which, right. I read, WFAN. which I read that they still do in Myra. Mara still they, they still read it. Yeah. Really? Now the, you know, the co-owner of the Giants answers fans. Yeah, ads. yeah, but it's like now. You can't help it if if the team has a social media platform or multimedia platforms. These fans have access. Mm -hmm. They'll let you know how they feel. Um, And it's always up to the team to prove them wrong, you know, or to convince them that the decisions were right. And we won't know that until they start. Good pick, Saquon Barkley, in my opinion. 100%. 100%. And everybody hated right, that. <laughs> yeah, but everybody hated that. No, the media hated, hated it. The fans loved it. Right. But the media hated it because they didn't take Sam Darnold, right? And no disrespect mm. to Sam. He hadn't done much. Mm. He hadn't done much. Same with Baker. These guys have been anointed the next, but they haven't done much. You know, they show great promise. I love Baker Mayfield. I think he's got all the tools. Um, but... They haven't won a lot of football games, you know. Yeah. They haven't they haven't had a lot of uh, adversity as leaders of their team. So we'll see. I think know? a lot of pressure's on Sam Donald this year, though. Well, of course it is because they they put him up now. Now give they got the Jets Bell. credit. They yeah. put some tools around him, but we're gonna find out about all of them. The quarterback position is not easy, you yeah. know, and it's easy to fall in love and it's easy to fall out of love. I mean. You know, the Jets had Mark Sanchez, and he was a Sanchez for a few minutes. Now, you know, he's defined by a butt fumble. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So um, that quarterback position requires the greatest level of of focus and and, um, consistency of any position. You can't make fucking mistakes at quarterback because you touch the ball every single down. No other player touches the ball every single down down other than a quarterback you know the Giants coach uh, Sherman no well Sherman before Sherman just in general even McAdoo do they have full control over who plays or not 
meaning no one else overrides that. Because before Shermer came and McAdoo, uh, you know, the way they benched Eli, they caused a fucking frenzy in New York. And then yeah. they brought in Geno Smith. Which I, was complete bullshit. But that was, um, that was a decision where McAdoo and um, Mark Ross, the head of player personnel, and to a degree Jerry Reese, they were all aligned on that. Um, I thought it was the most uh, idiotic thing they could have done um, to put Geno in there. But they, you know, McAdoo wanted a quarterback who could run around and do certain things. They got a guy in there in Geno, and it didn't prove to be very effective. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, <laughs> I remember being at one of those games, <laughs> and uh, I was with my father, and shouts to Justin Tuck, uh, uh, along like Carl has has made me experience, and my father, who was a diehard Giant fan, made me experience some of the uh, most amazing moments ever. And Tuck, uh, I remember he took us in the locker room and come in there and McAdoo, hair all wet. Yeah. He was, just came out of the shower, head down. Yeah. And uh, my father says, uh, hey, how are you, McAdoo? And he says, uh, hanging in there. Hey, yeah. and this guy looked like he lost his dog. And my father said, "We're hanging with you. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're hanging with you. Yeah. Um, what about Shermer? What's uh, you know? He, he, a lot of people. We're gonna find out. Yeah. A lot of people don't like him. Um, Pat and I. Full disclosure: We went to college together. Really? Um, yeah. A couple uh, years ago, Michigan State. Michigan State. Yeah. Um, I got your hometown. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have confidence that. He has a plan. We'll see if it works. I think what you'll see from his offense this year is going to be a lot different than in the past. Um, we'll see how effective it is. But I, I have everywhere uh, he's been in terms of an assistant coach or coordinator, he's had very productive um, offenses. As a head coach in Cleveland, he didn't do well. That was his first job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody gets one of those on their resume. Most uh, first-time coaches end up having to learn on the job and they end up taking sh taking over in shitty organizations sure. unless they've moved up the ranks within the organization that a guy retired in. So um, the thing is, you you take that job, you get your experience, you learn. Um, you go into a city a shitty situation, that's why they hired you. And um, You hope you to know. make it through. Yeah, you hope to make it through. In, in your estimate, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but like – 2019, 20, 2020, yeah. Giants. What will be considered a successful season for them? Um, I'm optimistic. Eight and eight. You know, I think the playoffs. eight, eight and eight. Being contention for the playoffs late in the year is going to be a successful because you're in the conversation. Um, I think they're capable of doing that. Uh, we'll see. But I think from a talent standpoint, they they um, have the right roster right now on the offensive line. I think defensively they got better. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I fully expect them to have, be in a conversation as a playoff hopeful mm. um, in pushing for eight wins, if not, you know, nine or nine, ten. Yeah. 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 How long, that's a, that's uh, you know, and again, you're not, you, you know, you don't have a fucking crystal ball. <laughs> um, how long do you foresee – if things go bad, mm. that Daniel Jones comes in the game. Okay, so we got to define bad, but I don't know. We go. Reason, uh, let me just say this. Let me say this. We go. Um, the reason the reason um, he was drafted. Yeah, is because they know 
Eli Manning is old. Yes. He's, he's, right? And they know that he's not going to play forever. So if Eli Manning throws two interceptions in the game, he's not coming out. Of course. Right? But if Eli Manning is just not functioning uh, as the quarterback of the New York Giants, I don't think they'll hesitate at all to put the kid in because it'll be time. But, you know, the course of normal course of quarterbacking where um, quarterback has a tough day, uh, but it's not all his fault. Yeah, sure. And, and he's still functioning. He'll, you know, Eli will play the next game. Or if the season is lost, then they'll probably put the, new, the kid in. But um, I think Eli Manning will have to prove that he cannot function as the best option for them to win at the quarterback position. In, in order position. to be taken yeah. out. So I don't think there's a timeline. I think um, he's going to have to show that he just can't play. Um, and like I said, that's not going to be the first interception he throws or if he has a two-interception game and shit falls apart, but it's not all on him, they're going to look at it and say, okay, well, he's, he's still my quarterback. You know, a lot of people like to look at Eli and uh, say he's uh... – you know, not the most sexiest quarterback. The way you know, he doesn't throw the best spiral in the world. Yeah, folds him. Though. Yeah. But, well, they but he's always been that. What what from your run-ins with him, just from all, and 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 your expertise of just watching him, calling games all these years. What's your take from a professional? Because you are a professional. He's, there's never been anything sexy about him. Um, he's durable. He's professional. He's smart. Um, and he tough. knows. You know, he's tough. And he knows how to make plays. He understands the game. So um, are you getting Tom Brady or uh, Mahomes? No. But you're getting what you get. And but he beat Tom Brady in Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. He beat Tom Brady in two Super Bowls. Internet. So, um, but he's, he is who he is. He's, you know, he's uh, not a flashy guy. He's a, he's a blue-collar blue guy. He's, sure. a, he's a hard hat guy. Sure. You know, he comes home and he probably he brings his lunchbox to, yeah. to, 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 yo, you know what? From being somebody who, uh, before he's we, got pedigree. Okay. That's yes. the other thing. Very much pedigree. Yeah. Be, before we go to a break, you know, being somebody who, uh, is, is not only a former player, uh, two time Super Bowl champion, uh, and, you know, somebody who calls games. And to me, I, I honestly say this, and you know me, I'm not saying uh, this to somebody who, uh, you don't. You speak it real. That's mm-hmm. one thing I've always respected. You don't. You you don't, you don't uh, uh, sugarcoat shit. Mm-hmm. Um, for how, from you announcing games and giving your opinion and being on Twitter, you know, has that has, has people ever said, "Hey, come on, Carl"? Like, have you ever had like issues with being honest? Like, no, because I don't make it personal. Yeah. Um, if a guy's not playing well, I'm not going to say he sucks, but I'm going to tell you why he's not playing well. I'm going to point out what he's doing wrong and um people take it personal well if i don't make it personal no no, no then but- i mean listen pete if you're not playing well and i say you're not playing well and here's why if you're mad you'd be mad at yourself you know what i mean because i'm only self i'm only my my job is to make sure that the folks that are listening to our broadcast understand what's going on you know, um, so I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If a guy missed the block, I'm going to say missed the block. Sure. Um, and I'm going to tell you why, if I know why. And um, But I'm not going to make it personal. I'm not going to say he's he's a piece of crap, you know, but uh, I'm going to tell you 
he missed it again, and he missed it again. And I might say they may have to get him out of the game because he's not not getting the job done. You know, bringing this uh, uh, topic up, I remember there was a situation with uh, Snacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are you cool like, with him? Is it, yeah, uh, he's a good dude, man. Did you, did you just make was he was he upset at you or something? Yeah, yeah. Was that a mis was that misconstrued? Just for it was. I think I think know. in in in. Um, in hindsight, and when he took a moment to see what I what I was saying, he understood it, you know, um, because he says to me, you know, whatever I had tweeted, he, he came back and said, "You're in the building every day. How come you ain't telling us nothing? Or or how come you're not saying it to our face?" And my response to that was, "Been there, done it." in essence like my time is leadership I did that already that's not my job that's and I didn't want to say it in social media um sure. because I didn't it, it wasn't personal it was more you know brother to brother like I'm I'm insinuating bro that's on you and your leaders that's not on me I I can't impact your locker room at all sure you know what I mean I can't I cannot tell you to go snatch a kid up cuz he's fucking over his teammates you know what I mean I can tell you that's what I would have done but that ain't my place now you know so if I make a comment on you know players that are quitting on their team I don't want him to you know he came to me and says well how come you ain't well it's not my place you know that's for you guys to do I did that already you know um, my leadership you can ask around about it you know, um, my teammates, we had a standard. We set it and we held everybody accountable. Um, so I think as 24 hours went by, he understood it, you know, because the only thing I said as after he came back at me and I just simply said, that's not my place. I've been there. I've done it. So I think when he thought about it, he, he probably understood I was supporting them not coming at them sure. and especially not him so but it was it was a um a very a very um I say a tender moment where you know feelings you know they were losing and they were under siege so um he was probably a little bit um a little bit on defense so why'd they get rid of him, man? Um, I mean, to me, one I'm going to say this in the he, game, without man. a doubt, and, I, and I'm going to say this. Um, I think that was an economic situation. Yeah, I think they had young players um, that they were bringing in that they needed to get in there, and again, he was another player who I did not want to see go, and, and I I said that, um, but I think. That was more economics than anything else um, because I don't think they were going to re-sign him. Um, He was going to end up having to take a pay cut to be cut. Especially after the Odell re-signing. Right. 90 million. And so for him, it worked out great because he's going to be good wherever he goes and he gets to keep his money and he's getting a new contract out of it. As opposed to playing out one year, having two years left on a deal, or, yeah, two years left on the deal, and he wasn't going to see the rest of that money. He went to Detroit. He's going to see all his money and get a new contract. So um, once you get cut, the stigma now is, 
well, he's, you know, not worth the money. You got to do prove it deals. Right. So he basically put himself in a great position to get a new deal in Detroit and to make, to see the um, entirety of his, his contract. Sure. You know, uh, uh, we, we spoke about this uh, before, and I spoke about this with the one and only our friend, Victor Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, uh, I love him. He's one of the doing. greatest guys. But he's, he's, man, he's living his best life. Oh, right yeah, now. oh yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. His transition is beautiful. Yeah. The yeah. glow up yeah. is, is amazing. Yeah. But but I'll be honest with you, and I, I'm, I'm not going to speak for you. You're a grown man. You're my friend. You speak for yourself. I feel the way uh, they treated him on the way out wasn't the the best. And I told him this. I had them on. I had him yeah. on, and 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 he, you know, I'm like, you know, he he agreed with he agreed with some points. Meaning like they, I don't feel like they kept it 100 with him. Meaning like, yo, we're, you know, maybe not out loud. Yeah. So I think. You're 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 right. I don't think that his departure was the way I should it should, I vision it, it should be, considering his his story and his contributions. Um, but I think again, they were looking for guys to. I don't want to say scapegoat, but they were looking for guys to try to move the needle in the locker room a different way. Um, and you had a head coach that was McAdoo at the time who probably weighed in and said that he doesn't fit what I want to do. Um, in reality, McAdoo didn't fit what they needed him to do. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just think – and then, you know, you had that whole playoff scenario with the, the uh, South Beach Bowl no, and my that whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they went into uh, they went into Green Bay and laid an egg. You know, with the shirts off, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't think that sat very well either. Um, it was classic, though. Yeah, yeah. I wish they would have balled out. But oh they man! Didn't. You know what? Let's take a quick break. Internet sitting here with my friend, the two-time Super Bowl champion, the entrepreneur. Okay, the guy who just uh, uh, had a vision, had a dream, and has been following it since. The one and only Carl Banks. We'll be right back. Let's go, Giants. Chip. Yo, what up? This is your man, Victor Cruz. You are locked into the Premium Pete Show. Holla at me. Internet, and we're back sitting here with the one and only Carl Banks. Carl, listen, a lot of people uh, uh, obviously know you as a football player, playing alongside the legendary Lawrence Taylor. Now, for people who want to know a little bit more about Carl and how I document people's journey, we go mm-hmm. back to the original episode. Uh, go back in the catalog. It's there. A couple, maybe two years ago. Yeah. This is the return of Carl Banks. You know, you still speak to Lawrence Taylor? Yeah. How's he, he doing? He's doing great, man. He actually was in town. I didn't see him, but he was in town uh, this past weekend at O.J. Anderson's uh, golf outing. Really? Yeah, he's a big golfer. Is he so, any good? Oh, he's a hell of a golfer. Yeah, he can he can play. What about you? Nah. <laughs> nah I, put it this way. I wouldn't be on a golf course with him. You know, because they, they're too good. I like to play, but I'm not that good. Yeah. I don't play enough either. He plays like two two times, two round, two and a half rounds a day. You know, you spoke about the locker room. And, you know, I want you to think back and explain to people listening, some who may know you, some who may not. You know, what was the locker room like, you know, when you guys would go in there halftime or after wins or even after losses with somebody like Lawrence Taylor, with somebody like Phil Sims, with somebody like yourself? Um. 
our locker room, we had a we had a great culture. Like I said, I had mentioned earlier, we had a culture of accountability. Sure. Right? So um, when you got your best player who practices hard every day, who plays, and he's a great player in Lawrence Taylor, but that dude set the tone. Like, you're not letting anybody down. Um, if he's giving you everything he's got in practice, you know, he's holding everybody accountable, and we're holding the next guy accountable as a result of that. Mm. Mm. A lot of screaming, a lot of yelling. It's whatever it took. But who was who was somebody back then that was like, you know how they had like uh, years later had Antonio Paris was making like uh, some speeches. Even Tuck came in with a speech, right. you know, kind of get people fired to fuck up. Yeah. You know, w- did you ever do that for the team? I may, I may have said something, but it was never um, a pregame speech. It was probably in the heat of the moment on the sideline mm-hmm. if we weren't playing well. Uh, or even maybe at a halftime uh, if we weren't playing well. But I, I was never like the stand-up in front of the team and rah-rah. We just go out and play. We, I mean, you know, our work was done Monday through Friday. It was like by the time Sunday came, we were ready to go anyway. So You mean um, by working out? and Nah, just our practice, our preparation. Um, our practices were really hard under Parcells. So Sundays were like a cakewalk to us. Yeah, you know, uh, we couldn't wait for the game to start because the, we, you know, we were we were getting pretty beat up in practice. You know, like anybody uh, thinking about traveling, uh, the you know the, the the traveling all over the world uh, to play a game that you love. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that sometimes we take things for granted. Not just football players, meaning just anybody. Like you, you know. I use this in the lines of like I know so many years being in street where people love to get product. Then they get product, and then you know it's over. You know, or people love to travel, and then they travel for a living. They say it's that it's not what it's cracked up to be. So many different things. You know, did you ever take a time where you were playing over the years and 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 and, and reflect and be like, holy shit, like you know, and thankful and blessed and you know? Yeah. So. Playing in New York, winning in New York, clubbing in New York, eating in New York is everything and then some, right? Um, because I went to Washington for a year. I went to Cleveland for two years. That's right, yeah. And all the things that you enjoy uh, being in New York, you can see the world's a little different outside of New York. And I'm glad I had the majority of my career here um, in winning. You know, because it's a different experience. And when you go somewhere else, it's like, y'all don't do this. Y'all don't work this hard. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in New York, it's work hard, play hard. You know, we we had a great time. On, um, you said clubbing. What was that like? Was that after big wins or, or just So you had... Red Parrot, you had Fifty Four, you had Palladium, you had Nels, you had our pregame started in New Jersey, so we were uh, East Orange, New Jersey, Club Eighty Eight, Club Zanzibar on the way out. So we would map it. So it was Club Eighty Eight first. Zanzibar was right before the highway in Newark, so you you went Eighty Eight, you did what you do. Then you go um, Club Zanzibar, and then from Club Zanzibar you head into the city. And then, um, depending on what night it was, if it was a Friday night, 
you either went to Palladium or 54. Mm. And then some folks went to Limelight, but everybody ended up at Nell's um, at the end of the night. So the funny story about it is, you know, talk about we had this locker room of accountability, right? So we would have guys that would club, and if you stayed out too late, you overslept. And if you're late for the plane and you're holding up the plane, Parcells is pissed, right? So we had one incident like that. So our next move was either cursing the guy out, not letting him go with you, or we just said, okay, Friday after practice, if you're going to dinner, when you go home, pack for the trip, put your luggage in your car. So if we're, we're traveling on a plane, um, everybody had to put their, whoever was clubbing, had to pack when they went home, put their, um, whatever they were traveling with, in their car. Because from Nails, you go from Nails to the parking lot. You pay a ball boy to tap on the window so you're not late for a meeting. Because everybody says, no, 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 I can make it, I can make it. They go home and they don't wake up. Like they missed the flight. Um, have to fly to the city, and it was crazy. And Parcells was, like, not having it. So our thing then was our system was, you know, get a few ball boys on payroll, and whatever time you get in, 6, 7 o'clock, you go straight to Giant Stadium, you sleep in your car, and there's a ball boy assigned to knock on your window to get you up to make sure you get in. Because Saturday practices weren't hard. You just had to get there. So That was um, the hard part. Yeah. So we were all walkthroughs on Saturday anyway. But we wanted to make sure like nobody missed the plane. So it was go, sleep in the parking lot, ball boys a tap on your window. You'll get up. You go in. You do your meetings. You do your walkthrough. Head to the plane and sleep on your way to the um, next destination. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. You know, I uh, recently got to sit down. I didn't do an episode and kick it with the uh, one and only Ed Reed. And, Legendary. Yes. And one of the hardest hitting, I mean. Most versatile, talented safety I've ever seen play. You know, the sad thing about it is he told me that uh, he still suffers from pain. He don't play no more. No. In his uh, shoulders, shoulders, yeah. And to be honest with you, most of you know simple-minded fans are like, "Well, he made millions of dollars. I don't give a fuck what he made." You're in a car crash every week. It's you, yeah. You know, you played for a long time, man. I yeah. mean, you knocked the fuck. You knocked some people to fuck yeah. up. Um, do you still feel any pain, or do you? Oh, still- I, yeah, yeah. There's, there's. Um, there's some aches and pains. I'm fortunate I didn't have any major surgeries when I played, but, you know, shoulders, back, you know, there's there's some pains. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember hitting somebody? Who's the hardest person you ever hit here? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think my best hit in my career was on Danny White. Mm. Um, Dallas Cowboys, that was a good shot. That one's on YouTube. So, um, But I've had some big hits. Yeah, uh, search for uh, Carl Banks sack. Yeah, Carl Banks, Danny White. You'll see it now. Yeah. Now, now, when you think about, you know, people think about, you know, you're obviously you're alongside Lawrence Taylor, mm-hmm. and they think about his monumental, even iconic. Sad to say, the guy got hurt 
where he broke the one Joe Theismann, yeah. Joe Theismann's leg. Mm -hmm. How was that on the field? Was that something? It's freakish, yeah. man. It was freakish, yeah. Like, but do, do you know what happened? Leg. Like, yeah, it's like automatically, bone, you know? Bone sticking out of his sock. So it was, yeah, it was bad. And the leg was um, not in the right direction. So, yeah, you knew right away it was bad. He freaked out when he saw it, too. Ooh, uh, LT? Yeah, 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 he freaked out. I know. I remember hearing him saying that he felt bad. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because people look at him as like, you know, it's like you know, they want him to go smash the quarterback, but they don't realize that, <laughs> Yeah. you know, people have feelings, too. Yeah. You know, in your third year in the league, we spoke early in the episode about uh, starting your own company. Now, when, what does that mean? Did you do like an LLC? Did you like open up like a corporation? Yeah, I opened up a corporation. Did someone um, advise you to do that or— well, again, it's intellectual curiosity, yeah. man. You know, um, I think what really enlightened me, I don't know if you, the name Willie Smith rings a bell, Willie Ware. He was one of the first black couture designers, right? And he was streetwear before there was streetwear. Um, he did a big deal with Barney's and ended up his, uh, he couldn't own his name, right? And I think when that situation happened, it kind of opened everybody's eyes up. And, like, you need to own your name, register your name, incorporate. So, um, and Willie was the guy everybody looked up to. Like, if you talk to um, anybody from Kanai to Cross Colors, uh, FUBU, whoever, they'll all tell you, like, the Willie Smith story is something. And his sister, Tuki. Um, was the one who told me, make sure you own your name, make sure you register your sure. name um, so that um, they can't do to you what they did to my brother. So um, that's why I, I, I learned it. And I actually was sitting, Tookie was in Bert Padell's office, mm. and we were talking, and Bert was a good friend, and he wanted me to meet Tookie. And um, we sat and we talked, and it was the best advice. You yeah. know, you've been around a long time, man, and uh, a seasoned veteran. I don't only mean that in a sports uh, sense. I mean that in life. You know, been like myself, been divorced, mm -hmm. multiple kids, yep. businesses. You know, one thing great about you is that you put yourself out there. So I'm sure you learned. Yeah. You failed. You did yep. this. People listening, not only, you know, young athletes, but young aspiring kids who who you know can really get some advice from you that is simple but important what do you, what do you think that would be um i would say you got to stay hungry um i think the biggest the biggest issue i have right now even in my business with you know the kids that work for me is they don't possess the same hunger sure um, and I'm not anti-millennial in any way, but there is a certain mentality that some, not all, millennials have where they don't give a fuck. Like, they can start off great and wake up one morning with no other fucking job and be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Or um, you got an important trade show and they're in sales and they decide to fucking take a vacation. I'm like, how the fuck you take a vacation? The biggest, you know, the biggest period in business is a trade show. Sure. And you decide you don't want to come and you're my sales guy, right? Um, 
but you got to stay hungry. But the thing is, um, some kids don't know any better. This is what they know. And so you've got to you got to be able to uh, teach. You got to lead by example. Um, and you got to make sure if you're young and you're trying to start something, you got to fucking work at it. You got you've got to be focused and you got to stay at it. And you you've got to be able to uh, navigate uh, adversity and failure like, you know, um, the people that some millennials look up to or the Zuckerbergs and those kids, the motherfuckers failed. Sure. It was trial and error in a dorm room for a long time until they got it right. Sure. Right? And their vision beyond just building it, they had to manifest that too. They had to put the pieces in place to be where they are right now. Um, so it's never as easy as you think, but you got to be willing to put the work in to get it and you got to believe in it. And and it's that simple. Like right now for me, Pete, in my business, and I was having a conversation with uh, one of my old designers, Voodoo Fay, and um, a good friend of mine, and you might know Danny Shaw. Mm-hmm. Like Danny was the hungriest guy I ever met in this business, right? Danny, there was no... There was no was not an option. Like if he wanted to do it, he found a way. Like, and he had a gift to gab, but he also had a plan to execute. And Danny was that guy who could create and could create a marketing plan out of thin air. Mm. And I, he was just in town from China, and I missed him. But like Danny is a guy right to this day. I would sit to Danny. I'm like, listen, I get influencer marketing. But I want to figure out how to recreate street teams digitally. So, like, Danny would have, Danny could take, if he wanted to launch something, he could have 50 kids from the neighborhood holding picket signs, whatever his brand is on it, marching in front of a store if he wanted to. Like, I want to be able to capture that energy. Um because that's more influential than the influencer because it's all frequency everything you do repetition and frequency right so if if I wanted premium Pete to be the guy that's rocking my sneakers or my brand right and Pete says today I'm gonna put it on tomorrow I'm gonna fucking show belly tea you know um, slim Slim belly tea, and then the next day I'm teeth whitener. How much influence is that? Mm. You know what I mean? You can say to your friends, "Oh, look, Premium Pete, I got this picture of Premium Pete wearing it." No, I want, I want that frequency. I want that that feeling. I want that 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 movement. Like Danny Shaw was the like the fucking pie piper. Um. And he could create a movement around anything he wanted to do. Like when he first did the Pepsi, mm. he launched Pepsi Clothing, right? He came to me at uh, at Magic Show and said, I'm, I'm launching Pepsi Cola. Watch and see what I do. He went and got Pepsi and launched Pepsi jeans, shirts, everything. It was all over the place, but he created it. He created the movement. He created the people that, that created a frequency around the brand 
that you constantly felt the movement and you had to be a part of it. Um, it's harder now um, because there are so many work for hire people that you know you you want to tap into their um, influence, but then are they influential for mm. what you want to do? You know, um, and is can you get enough frequency? Like I, I love what Fashion Nova does because they got a lot of people. So if they hire you to do 10 spots, they got somebody else following you for 10 sure, sure. and somebody else following you. And you got somebody else following you. So they have it. They have the frequency. Um, you've got to really be able to create that um, with your movement. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, and if you can't, you know, you got one person, two people that can move a needle and their last name is Kardashian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, nobody's tuning in. Like if you, if I, if I gave the hottest chick some apparel and said, I want to hire you to, you know, be an influencer for my brand, and she say, I'll give you two posts for X amount of dollars, right? Yeah. And those two posts, and you look at the comments, it's Yo Bay, you know, let's yeah, get together. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to do this. I love Eight to do that. emojis. Right, right, right. It's nothing about the brand, right? I want, I want. The movement. I want that Danny Shaw energy around my brands, right? I want to be able to create digitally a bunch of nobodies, right, that are all of a sudden evangelists for what you do, and they're sniping the shit out of everybody that needs to be sniped. Mm. You know what a snipe is, right? Mm. A lot of people don't know what snipes are. Tell them what a snipe is, Pete. Man. PNB post no bills. Oh my god! <laughs> you take you know like Danny would have posters printed and they just snipe and they just the putting on any and in any and everything. See, I, I want that slapping up the whole uh, yeah. city, man. Yeah, that's, so, that's really guerrilla marketing. Yeah, man, you but, know? but but like, can you create that digitally? You can. Um, it's just a bunch of nobodies just slapping your shit everywhere it needs to be. You it know? could be possible. Yeah, you know. Um, G3, okay, for, again, people who are listening, uh, your apparel uh, line, yep. uh, G3 uh, for her is the woman's yep. line. G3 Sports now, by Carl Banks is the where can umbrella. People, now, people go, I know, I know it's on, like, uh, uh, um, Home Shopping Network, right? Yeah, Fanatics. You okay, know, Fanatics, Fanatics carries yep, a lot what, uh, of our Michael lids. Yep. Yeah, Fanatics, lids, Macy's, Foot Locker, um, Lady Foot Locker. Um, yeah. Jimmy Jazz and Starter uh, is DTLR and Starter is involved in in you know online yeah and through collaboration I know you got a Coca Cola collab coming we have up a Coke collab coming up we just did an incredible one with um, Agni Studios okay nice we did some with Babe last uh, winter um, we've got a really dope uh, collab coming out um, Q one where we're launching footwear with um, a company out of Milan called Beat Studio. Okay, nice, nice. Um, My Paisans? But yeah. My Cuginos? Um, Beat Studio is, for those who don't know, they they do a lot of um, Golden Goose footwear. They yeah. do stuff for Gucci. Um, Deodora. So yep, Deodora's really made very well, man. Deodora, I will say that the, the materials yeah. that are used, uh, actually right next door, 
uh, is the one and only uh, the god, the chef Raekwon. Raekwon. When he had his uh, Diodoro, the purple tape one with right. Packer. Yeah. Uh, the N9000, I think it is. Yeah. Let me tell you something, man. That quality on that shoe. Yeah. Is so incredible. it's so we we got the right partner there, um, and through that collaboration, um, we're gonna launch a um, we're gonna launch a sneaker with Ty Hopkins. Just you know, Ty Detroit Hopkins. Detroit's own. Um, he's a he's a um, incredible brother in terms of really having his finger on the pulse of um, fashion footwear. And little known story, um, a lot of the the shoe uh, releases that came out, they come to him to help them design, like the Grant Hill Fila, sure, collab. Because Grant Hill Fila was dead; it was mm-hmm. dead, it wasn't even heard of. Yep, he's the one who told Fila. He put Fila back together with Grant. They designed uh, a couple capsules, and now it's off and running. You know, um, Nike comes to him for a lot. Um, Adidas, the top ten that were re- released about three months ago, yep, yep. four months ago, that was well, him. Detroit loves top tens, right? But you know? that was him no, who no, told no, them yeah, to go. Sure. And, you know, so they were like, "No, it ain't even on our radar." Yeah. To like he, so he's a guy that you talk about, like you talk influencers versus influence or people of influence. He's that guy, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the problem uh, with the world today is is that. They only look for big names. It's kind of like Premium Pete Show. I always tell people, don't only click. You know, I have people from all walks of life. Everybody yeah. from the founder of Venmo to you to yeah. Prodigy. You know, you you, yeah. you already know. I tell people, if you see somebody, like I have a restaurant where you may not know, people listen and say, holy shit, man, I learned so much. I yeah. wanna, you know, to, to me, Ty Mopkins reminds me of somebody that maybe everybody don't know, but he's moving and shaking. And I yeah, think, and, you know, and, and but the funny, funny thing is, they don't want you to know yeah. that they know. Yeah, anybody well, people do that. Yeah. Any, anybody that um, that's in the industry, um, they're checking everything he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I would say this. Here's my opinion. Just keep doing. Yeah. You know why? Because whether or not people go one day gonna have to give you credit. Oh and yeah. If they don't give you fucking credit. Yeah, the product is already out there, getting yeah, itself cool. right. And you know th- th- what he's what he's about to do um, with this this drop we're doing with him. You'll see exactly. When can we see that? Um, that's going to be Q one. Okay, top of the year, top of twenty twenty. Yeah, I call it um, sneaker Christmas. You know, right around NBA All Star game okay, when all okay. the shoes drop. So, um, but you'll see. I mean, he's he's got this street luxury thing going, and he's he's it's going to be incredible. Okay. So, well, listen, yeah. uh, you know. Friend of yours is a friend of mine. Well, he's a good dude. Um, what's it called? Before we uh, get out of here, Giants prediction. I got them going to the playoffs as a wild card. Really? Yeah. Are you serious? That's my story. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> and you're back on Twitter in September? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm back Maybe earlier? Maybe earlier? Nah. I'm okay. I'm I'm back in September when, when football oh my starts. God, dimensions yeah. are gonna be crazy. Yeah, so they're gonna, they're gonna come back that way. Internets, listen, uh, and it's at Carl Banks G I I I. And that's on Twitter. And on Instagram. On Instagram, yeah. same thing. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Okay. I'm saying, Still I, fucking with that? I, yeah, I fuck with Instagram because that's where the love, you know, love the pretty people and the fun stuff happens. Sure. So I can't I'm like right now I gotta take a mental Twitter break. 
Well, listen, internets. Uh, Carl Banks is a man of many talents. Uh, a man who has done a lot with his life, still doing it. Yeah. Michigan's own Flint, Michigan. Man, how, is yeah, everything yeah. still? Uh, it thinks yeah, better. Still, Last time we were still, yeah. still, still not in a good space. Still not in a good space, and nobody went to fucking jail yeah. for poisoning people. So yeah. One other, another reason why I'm off Twitter because shit I'm passionate about. You just, you know, then you hear these dumbasses that come on in, and say some of the dumbest shit about why the water is poisoned. So. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Find uh, me on Instagram. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where the pretty people, the fun, and all the love is. So. Well, and find them covering the Giants game. Yeah. Find them uh, more internet. Listen, uh, Carl Banks, like I said, uh, not just a, a football player, uh, not just an entrepreneur, uh, but a good fella. No doubt. The one and only Carl Banks. Thank you, sir. My brother. Before we uh, end this episode, I, we mentioned a guy named Bo Dito, okay? And you're going to explain to people who Bo Dito is, but one thing that I found amazing is is that you would tell me a story of somebody fucking came to your house and took and stole the fucking Super Bowl rings yeah. at your house. Tell, so tell, tell the answer to this story. So, Shouts to Bo Dito. Bo is an amazing guy. If anybody doesn't know Bo Dito, Google him. Um, he's got a, you know, he had a movie out, One Tough Cop, um, years ago uh, from being NYPD cop in the um, in the 70s when all hell was breaking loose in New York. Um, Bo's a re- really dear friend of mine, big, big Giants fan. And um, I used to do these... Um, these Chalk Talk luncheons, and, and Bo and his friends were a member at uh, Crystal Steakhouse, uh, which was off of Lexington Avenue where the W Hotel is. And um, so Bo and I were friends, and um, he was a private investigator, has a very successful security company. So this was like, like I think, 88, 89. My house was broken into, and my Super Bowl rings were, were stolen. And so I called Bo. I said, Bo, my house was broken into and, you know, my rings are gone. And he says, okay, I'll, I'll hit you in the morning. Call me the next morning. Come get your rings. I got them. <laughs> he knew exactly where they were. And I met him on um, in the Diamond District. He handed me my rings. Man. Yeah. Shouts to Boldito, man, for getting you back your original rings. That's fucking Bo's crazy. Bo's the man. Like, How the fuck did he know where it was? Listen, when you're when you're one tough cop and you and you know how the city works. Yeah. There was no Instagram back then. Nah. And people know, no Twitter, no MySpace. Yeah, he was like no DMs. He knew exactly where to go. Um, got me my ring back. So Listen, uh everything's cool with you and Francesca, right? Is he a good guy? Um Mike and I are fine. Um, imagine you and him doing a fucking uh, no I can't actually interview. I can't I can't imagine that but um, <laughs> is he a good guy personally yeah I, I don't I don't think he's a bad guy at all yeah. um, he forgets too many things in my opinion I, maybe that's on purpose yeah. Mike's not dumb yeah. you know what I mean yeah, no, I get that I get that um, and one of the smartest guys one of the smartest sports minds you'll ever meet you know um, some of the places that he goes now narrative wise I don't agree with um, but again you know what he does now is good for business that's you know that's where the industry has taken us you know hot takes bad takes mm. um, controversial takes so shitty takes 
Um, I don't think that's reflective of him as a person. Um, I've known him since she's 85. Mm, God damn. Um, I was, put it this way, I was him and Mad Dogs, one of his first guests when they launched that show. So, um, I mean, he does what he does. I, I, I'm Look, I know him to be a, an in, incredibly smart man. So whatever he's doing um, at times that I don't agree with, there must be a, ma- a method to the madness, you know? They're, they continue to talk about him, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, he's still probably the... Um, rakes in probably more revenue than anybody else in sports talk radio. That's why they can't, you know, get enough of him at the station. So um, that is what it is, you know. I mean, I don't I don't always agree. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I don't listen as much as I used to. Um, but, you know, it's good for business. This this is the type of stuff we got to deal with in, in – um, in the internets, you know? Mm. Shouts to Francesca. Internets, if you enjoyed that episode, then hit me up. That's right. Email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Again, that's thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. If you're an advertiser, any big company, small company, startup, whatever it is, you want to advertise on the Premium Peep Show, hit me up. Email thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll get to working. Okay, And if you have a suggestion or you want to hear a certain guest on the show, whatever it is, okay, you know, you could at Premium Pete, at Premium Pete Show on Twitter or Instagram, or for the last time I'll tell you, well, I'm not going to, it's not the last time, email me, thepremiumpeteshow at gmail.com, and let's get to working. Cheers.